Welcome, welcome, welcome. And we've just spoke with CJ Beats, who suffers with bipolar, and he shared with us his experiences, and it does get deep. And we it does, it does, it really does. Quite a touching episode, man. Real touching. But before we get into it, head over to our main sponsor, Man Made Beard Company, making the beards look good. Oh. So the link, the link's in the description. Poddy 10 to get your discount. Oh, and I tell you what, now I've been using it now for over two weeks. And the shape and the growth is beautiful. And the smoothness. Yeah, silky smooth. <laughs> and also, we've got another. Also, we have got something dropping big tomorrow. Monty, what is it, my brother? Champion Mindset Clothing. A brand that's going to re- represent you all. Also, with every purchase that everyone makes, 5% of that is going to go towards mental health charities. There will be a lot of giveaways, such as part of a profit, the percentage will be given away by a winner, a lucky person that would want to donate to a charity of their choice as well. Oh, wow. Yes, boy. Let's do this. Let's go. Support it. Time, share. We love you all. Yes, we do, because we've got a YouTube giveaway happening next week on next week's episode. So make sure you are subscribed. Don't be hidden, because once you hit that subscription button, YouTube hides you from us. So go to your settings. Yeah, so go see you. We won't. So go to your settings. Make sure you're not hidden, and you'll be in for the draw next week. Good luck. Good luck indeed. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe, and drop us a comment in the video. We love to hear from you. Ah, we love you, you beautiful humans. Men United Podcast with Bids and Monty. Today we've got CJ from Canada. Brother, how's it going? Enjoying the coffee? Not too, not too bad, dude, now that I got my coffee. Yeah, we had a bit, of a bit of time zone mix up, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was the next hour. I'm sorry about that, guys. But I got my coffee. It's Sunday morning. I'm good now. So, well, so Hopefully, I'll be awake by the end of this. So <laughs> <laughs> We might, might see you just like nodding off back sleep halfway through. Yeah. yeah like, yes, sir. <laughs> like, CJ, wake up, bro. Hey. <laughs> knock 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 hey, man. <laughs> right man so I follow you on um, Instagram uh, I've followed quite a bit of what you've done and the reason why I've in- invited John to the podcast is because I find it quite inspiring what you're doing oh really thank you yeah man so your website is CJ Beats Bipolar that's correct. Yeah. CJ beats bipolar.ca is the website. Yeah. yeah. And I have, uh, I have all, CJ beats bipolar is also all of my social media handles as well. So, so have you, have you beaten bipolar? Oh no, no, no. The CJ beats bipolar is a play on, um, the fact that I play drums. So I make beats. Ah, oh, well. there you go. As well. It, is documenting basically my the ongoing um, the ongoing struggle, I guess, to beat and control my my bipolar. Sadly, it is uh, it's a condition that I don't think ever really can be beaten. Yeah. Um, sadly, in my experience, it almost evolves with the medications I'm on, so it's always a constant back and forth between my doctors and and my bipolar as to what's going to control it at any given time so it's it's not beats bipolar but it's my struggle to to try and beat bipolar i guess is how that works yeah and for the viewers and the listeners uh what is bipolar um i only speak on my experiences and so i have bipolar two, and so basically what that is is that I can 
have depressive episodes and I can have manic episodes and yeah. I can have multiples of them throughout the year. It's called bipolar two is like rapid cycling. And so um, a lot of, a lot of um, what happens is I'll just, um, I'll go into a, a depressive episode for a bit and then I'll come back to what I call level. And then my chemical imbalance will go out and I'll go manic. And when I go manic, I just almost have no control over, over myself, excuse me. So um, it's as I've become aware, I, and my wife also can see when I'm, I go manic and we kind of control it through awareness. But um, yeah, my manic episodes have definitely become more controllable in the last three or four years since I became super aware of them. Yeah. So, so in, in a manic episode, what explains to us what, what would happen in that kind of um, mind frame? A kind of, it's kind of, you just, it's euphoric. Um, you feel like you're invincible and bulletproof. Um, my big thing was I would spend without realizing the consequence of it. Yeah. Um, you know, go spend a whole bunch of money. Um, I was, I was drinking a lot when I was manic. Um, and so we've got both of those things under control now and it's definitely, it's been a huge help. So a lot of, a lot of what I was, and it's, it's a trait of, um, people with bipolar is the, is the spending thing really. Ah, see spending some dollars, lots of dollars. Yes. And in the Mola, baby. Yeah, spending money you don't have is the issue. <laughs> wow, and then that that's going that's going to obviously cause issues between your wife, I would imagine. Um. Yeah. Well, that that was before I really knew my wife, but it was a lot of I've been in a lot of debt problems. Um, I've wow. actually been very lucky. I've been le- very lucky. I actually work with a financial firm now, and so I've been they've been able to help me quite a bit with those debt problems. But yeah, that was, that was a big concern I had for a while was just with debt problems because of spending money with my bipolar. So Uh, spending the money was obviously a bit like a a release for you. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was, you know, very much. uh, Yeah, it was a release. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you work, you work in quite of a, a manly environment, right? Um, yeah, traditionally, I am. Uh, I've been a crane operator in the oil and gas industry here in Alberta, Canada, for the last fifteen years. Wow! And so I've I've been lucky enough to run some of the biggest pieces of equipment in the industry. Um, the biggest crane I've ever ran was eight hundred ton. Woo-hoo. So wow! So uh, yeah, wow. so. So it's, it's been a very rewarding career, but it's also a very, very masculine mindset um, industry. So, Yeah, every time, I, every time I drive past a crane, and do you, know, do you know the cranes that you get, like, where the cab's, like, dead eye up in the air? Oh, tower cranes, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. I, lo- <laughs> I, I, love, I love being up there for the views. The, view, the views are what I've seen pretty cool. I run mobile cranes, so uh, we're, we're closer to the ground where the guys that go in there and build those. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't like heights, so oh, I, I don't know if I could do that one. <laughs> but uh, I've, def- I've been up there one time to help put one together. And yeah, you can see it's beautiful what you can see. So I don't, I don't think I'll be able to embrace the views, you know. Why? <laughs> Come on, one of them things. Nah, man, I'll be holding my whole body will be so tense. I'll be. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough. The one that I was up when we were putting it together, we have a really beautiful river valley here in Edmonton, and I could see the whole river valley from up there, and it was unbelievable. Wow! Say so one, one, one false move, or or one wrong move, or hitting that wrong button when you've got some on that crane. Okay, what will be the consequences? Um, well, it's it's a very responsible position. You know, if, if say, I'm lifting something that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars, as soon as that thing goes on the hook, I'm responsible for it. And then I'm also responsible for whatever the guy on the other end, you know, if something goes wrong and, you know, he gets hurt, that's on me. 
And so it's, it's a very, very responsible job. And you learn, you build trust with your coworkers very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, how do you stay sort of relaxed as to what sort of techniques do you do to know that everything that's happening in front of you is your responsibility? How do you manage to stay relaxed in, in, that, um, in that situation? It's just, honestly, I've been doing it for so long that it's, it's a reflex action. It's natural to me, right? But, um, you know, I specialize in a thing called steel erection, which is building the metal frames of buildings and stuff. And so it's a very rapid fire. As fast as the steel can go up, you basically get it there. And yeah, so, that, them things go up so fast. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They, they, I think the most i did in a day was 140 something pieces and so that's wow so that's uh yeah so that's 140 back and forth from where they keep the steel on the ground to where it goes into the building and so um while i'm doing that i either usually have i find calming qualities in heavy music like metal music and yeah things like that same here so i either I either usually have metal, like heavy music or like classical music going on the whole time that I'm, I'm doing that. And it just kind of gets me in the zone. Yeah. Focus. Focus, mine. Focus. Yeah. Music, music is, is a really big, has a lot of therapeutic qualities for me. And so that's, you'll find throughout our conversation that a lot of it will come back to when you're asking me what my coping strategies are, a lot of it comes back to music. Say with my, with, with my strategies, mine's music as well. And like, I'm into like your, your really heavy screamy stuff. And yeah. my and my wife's like, how how can that music calm you down? It, it does. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. It's it's funny because I also when I I used to play a lot of sports when I was a kid, and I would also use that music to get me riled up, up and on yeah, fire. Yeah. But it also ways. it also yeah. is I'm, very very calming. I'm the opposite, you know. Go on. Then. I like more chilled music. So, like, I play, I play football myself, CJ, and all games. I listen to quite relaxing music, which where which then allows me to sort of also think on what's in front of me to like visualize. You I don't visualize the game, right? Yeah. So I yeah. visualize sort of like the game and certain outcomes. But when I have upbeat songs and sort of louder music, my whole focus is actually on the music rather than what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, so yeah. I never tend to li- listen to upbeat songs and things like that because he sort of takes, takes my focus away. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a good, it's interesting to note that for how that is different for people because, yeah, a lot of, uh, I feel like, nowadays with personal music devices it's a lot different than it was 10 20 or 10 or 15 years ago when i was playing sports where you had you had a stereo that the whole whole team listened to right whereas now everybody's got their phone and their headphones and they can kind of go into their own world and get themselves in their own in their own zone right yes and with with working in such a you know masculine environment uh, suffering with bipolar, how how tough was that? Because could you could you openly talk to your coworkers about how you were feeling that day? Um, honestly, for a long time, I didn't. Um, yeah, it was actually through an event at work that I got diagnosed with bipolar. Um, I had been going through through a breakup with um, a partner that I had had at the time. Yeah, and I was I was in the crane and just crying all day and not paying attention to the people I was working with. Wow! And I didn't have that trust that I just talked about, and so they kind of called in my supervision and were like, "Okay, well, we we don't feel comfortable working with this guy right now. Oh. Can we not work with him?" And they kind of had noticed a trend my employers had, so they were like, "We we don't feel like we feel like something's up." Um, I was lucky enough that I had been with the company long-term at the time. So they were like, you need to go figure out what's going on with you and you can come back when you're done. Nice. And so that's when I went into an outpatient program at one of the hospitals here in Edmonton and got diagnosed with my bipolar and started, started on my journey to recovery. So, wow. so 
did this people, this guy that said they didn't feel comfortable working with you, did they know what you was experiencing, what you was going through? Or it was just based on your actions and how you were sort of carrying yourself around the place? It was just based on, on my actions and how I was carrying myself. It was a very much, it's very much a mentality here that you kind of separate work and what's going on in your personal life and power through with your, with, you know, you go to work, you get up every morning, you go to work because that's what, that's what men do. And so um, it, especially that was 13 years ago. Now um, it was a very different working environment then you didn't talk about your emotions and you didn't let them bother you for fear of for fear of not having your job and for fear of being judged by those co-workers so so you must have you must have had some really dark days um, oh lots of dark days it's the thing about being a crane operator especially here in in the province that i live and work in is that you spend a lot of time by yourself yeah so you have you have a lot of days sitting in that machine with your thoughts and then also the um here in the province all of our work is very remote so you're four or five hours away from your home and your family and um you're fighting with you know some of the camps have up to three thousand people in them so you're fighting with three for three thousand people for a wi-fi signal and you live in a camp room which is basically if you can picture about 12 feet long about eight feet wide and you wow. have a bed and a closet and a sink and a tv and a little desk and that's that's where you live for up to 24 days at a, at a time before you get to go home so wow i bet yeah. you i bet being stuck in just in that environment itself would have just healed some real dark thoughts oh absolutely it does and it, it does not just for me but it's it's a very it's a very um hard place for a lot of people to work yeah, and with with bipolar, the, the the depression side, was was there any kind of days where sui- suicide was on your mind or? Absolutely, I've had I've had suicidal thoughts. I've been hospitalized twice for it. One of them while I was up in up working in the in the oil sands here in Alberta. Wow. So yeah, so it's 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 over. It's not the best situation but again it's one of those things where the mentality has always been man up and go go do it because you have a family to feed so did did a lot a lot when you had them thoughts and you felt suicidal obviously you was going through an experience and obviously of bipolar and that but a lot of that a lot of that was it due to the pressure of not being able to tell someone what you was going through and you maybe have felt embarrassed or is it correct me if I'm wrong and the fear of being judged you felt alone did absolutely that, did that then led to you feeling suicidal and maybe you was alone and you didn't feel worth worth being in this world for a reason um yeah absolutely the isolation was definitely a huge part of it and like I said it's a very It was, it's starting to change now, a very masculine, don't talk about your feelings, leave them at home, come to work and do, and do your job situation. And so it was very much isolation and loneliness and not being able to talk to people about, about what was going through my mind. And that's actually, that's actually part of why I do what I do with CJ Beats Bipolar now is to give men that safe outlet of someone to talk to on the job site when I'm working with them. Oh. yeah i think it's i think it's um it is gradually starting to become a big thing now it is it really is um the w- way we talk in the industry is in 20 year cycles so it takes one year for something to become a policy by the time it goes through all of the company and becomes a policy it takes five years for it to to reach the field basically and then 10 years for it to implement itself and 20 years for it to become a culture. And uh, so the last, the last 20 years has been on physical health and safety. So a lot of training in, in like fall protection so that people wear a harness so they don't fall and learning about the, the chemicals that you're working around and things like that. And so that, that's been the last 20 years yeah. growing, growing that into a culture in the industry. And now we're on probably year three or four 
of the focus on mental health. And so we have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, there's, we yeah. there's a long way to go, but you can see that that steady kind of journey starting to gather quite a bit of pace. I yeah, know things are things are starting to change, which is very, very encouraging to see. So yeah, I know because there's a lot of work happening over in the UK. I, I know um, over in Canada, there's a lot of work happening with mental health, and I've got uh, family and friends over in the states. Um, they said they can see it starting to pick up a bit of pace as well. So it is it is good to see because it's really good to see. Because with obviously so many people struggling, I've oh absolutely I've found that um, a lot of my friends uh, who I didn't think were struggling at all, I started now opening up and saying like that they've struggled with this for X amount of years, and I've been like, whoa, like yeah. you would you wouldn't know you wouldn't know. It's like it's just hidden. It's well hidden. Mental health is well hidden. Well, poor mental health is well hidden. And obviously I say poor mental health is because if someone if someone asks me or I ask someone, what is mental health to you? They'll start saying, oh, like dark suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. When really mental health, you've got good mental health or which is happy. I'm happy that's a good that's that's good mental health or bad mental health, yeah. That that's your dark depressive days. Yeah. It's finding that balance. Cause when I when I was in my like dark days, I could never find that balance and find the good days. Cause you that you're stuck. Yeah. I, I was stuck like I'd be just stuck in the same mindset and it'd be repeat, repeat, repeat. And I think that's that's when, if you don't click on that something's wrong with you, that's when you could potentially commit suicide. And I think that's why people do it. Because yeah. they're, they're in that circle, man. They've got to break that circle. But I think, I don't know about you, CJ, but when I was in that circle, I knew what to do, but I was scared of making that first step, which was going to therapy. I was, I was afraid. And the reason why I was afraid was is because I didn't want my mates finding out or my family finding out because I'd be embarrassed or uh, I'd feel weak. I, I, I was the first step for you, CJ. Was it good? Bad? Um, it, was, it was all right. First, I want to touch on one thing that you said there. You said the words commit suicide. Yeah. Um, we we um, are trying to change the that phrase to "died by suicide" because it's a lot more respectful. Um, yeah. If you think of it as like you get committed to a jail sentence. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so by using the phrase "committed suicide," it's it's kind of a disrespectful way to do it. So we say like "died by suicide." Yeah, it's like yeah, I get that point. That's a good point, man. Because. Because you say committed, uh, like you say, like it's you've committed a crime. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. We've learned something new, Monty. We learn every day. We've been saying it since we started. Every day we learn something new. And I want to add, obviously, to what you guys are saying, is sometimes it's the wording that we tend to use, the language that we use, that scares people from actually speaking a lot of the time. So, and I think we touched on this before, bit where the word mental health, right? People immediately would assume that you are crazy just because you've got that mental in front of health. And there's something that we could rephrase, reword, we something that could be used differently. It could be something like emotional health or even mind health, something different. And I think it would give people that are genuinely struggling or going through any type of obstacle in their life within their mind it will give them like the freedom to speak and actually confront their demons to an extent because they can i will find it easy if i go to one of you and i said oh, i'm struggling with my, my emotional health rather than yeah. struggling with my mental health because a lot of the times you're getting judged straight away 
or what do you mean you're struggling with your mental health? What's wrong with you? But obviously now in this day and age, like things are starting to pick up and a lot of people understand it more. But if you use different words, different language to address mental health, I think people might find it easy to talk about it. I don't know if that's my opinion. No, that's I can absolutely see what you're saying there. And that there's a there's a stigma around the words mental health. Um, you know, you say, like you say, someone people take the worst connotation when you say mental health, and so you go to, oh yeah, that's you know people that are committed to mental hospitals, right? Like mental institutions. Sadly, sadly, historically. The word mental has definitely been given a very negative connotation. Yeah. And so, so it's very much, it's very much, I like that changing, changing your wording and it's very awareness of, you know, what, like, like we, like you spoke about it before uh, bids is just being aware is the first step. And so if you're aware of how you feel or you're aware of what you, of your language, it's, it can make a big difference as to, how people perceive what you're saying or what you're going through. Yeah. yeah. And, also, and also like being aware of your triggers as well. That's, that's out me like things that might trigger me, my mood to change a bit. Uh, being aware of them is like Absolutely. massively out me. I think that's a massive thing there. Be awareness and the trigger. If you're aware, you would understand what triggers it. But then it's also accepting that there is something wrong and it needs addressing. Absolutely. They've said, and that's the only, I think that's the only way someone gets helped. It, it, it comes from within first. You have to oh, absolutely. Wrong. Absolutely. With, with mental health, especially, um, you can't force someone into help. Um, I actually, I play in a band called Form 10. And what a Form 10 is here in Canada is when someone turns down help from, from a, uh, a paramedic responder to, for a mental health issue to go to the hospital and the police have to become involved. And sadly, as much as, as, much as that person's going to go to help because they don't want the help, they are probably not going to to get the most out of it. Yeah. Um, I think with mental health, especially it needs to come from within, like you said, where you need to make that decision that I'm aware of this. It's not good. I need to, I need to find a way to better it. Yeah. And say I was, I did a, I did a podcast earlier. I went on someone else's podcast earlier and I spoke about how important it is to get that early intervention because it's like people like us my age who have gone through that um, kind of traditional stigma years of you, you do not speak about your emotions, you know, you're a man, man up, blah, 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 fucking no, we don't say that no more. Um, if that, like it's now my children know about mental health. If they're having a bad day, if they're gone in a bit of a, a stroppy mood because they can't watch YouTube or whatever it is. Um, that's okay. It's so it's okay to feel a bit angry or a bit sad. I, that's the first thing I think a lot of parents need to, adjust, yeah, they need to understand and adjust to the idea. Like telling your kids stop stop being angry or stop being sad over something is the completely the wrong thing to do, and run about it. Um, earlier about how important that intervention is like you you've had that intervention with work cj they 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 saw they saw something and knew that they thought wasn't right so that's massive like massive the intervention is massive oh absolutely you know talking talking about children you know my children are the same thing their mother and i both have um diagnosed mental health um conditions and so it is it's very very normal conversation in our house um yeah you know our our 12 year old and our 10 year old you know when they need to see a therapist it's not a problem to get them to a therapist you take care you go to a doctor to see 
to take care of your body and you go to a therapist or, or a psychiatrist to take care of your mind. And that's just the way we're raising them. And, you know, when they, when they get upset, you know, you acknowledge those emotions, you say you validate those emotions, and then, then you address the emotions at the cause, you know, what is making you feel this way yeah. as opposed to just, Oh, you're not allowed to have that emotion. And um, what, what a lot of the people that I talk to are finding is because especially with the, the phrases like man up and be a man and things like that is that we're raising our male children to turn the, the emotion of sadness into the emotion of anger. Yeah. That's why, that's why, that's why grown men get so angry all the time. And that's, that's how I am. I'm, I'm aware of it now. So I'm, I try to be better, but that's, that's how I am. Is it, you know, when I get sad instead of, or when I get upset about something that should be a sadness emotion, I find it manifests itself as anger. And that's just because that's how I was raised. And I don't want to raise my kids that way. Yeah. But I think is when you're, when, when we're sad and we actually try to even talk about it, like how we're being raised or what we're being told in the past, that sadness, like you just said, comes out as anger in a tone. And then people all of a sudden become defensive rather than try to understand. That's how I feel. Absolutely. And then from, well, I found from sharing my experiences helps me. Like, because if, I, if my experience can prevent someone from harming themselves, then that's like the best thing to happen to me because helping people, for me, is my kind of therapy. It's my kind of medication, if you want to put it that way, because with the Men Unite group, we've got over 14,000 men in there talking about, well, openly talking about um, how, how low the feeling and we've prevented many, many suicides from happening. And I don't know about you, CJ, because you now share your experiences um do you do you go around to like different companies to do this or do people book you to come um yeah that's i'm starting that's my that's my ultimate goal is yeah. to do that and i have started i've i've spoke to uh i've started i'm kind of at the high school level right now i'm i'm speaking to a lot of a lot of school kids um sports teams, things like that. But my ultimate goal is to, is to get into, into the industry that has brought me up and to share my story with them because I'm someone that they can relate to. I'm, I'm an, another tradesman. I'm not some guy coming in off the street with as much as I, I don't like to say this, a college degree that they look at and they're like, oh, that guy's, you know, he's, he's educated. He doesn't know the real world. Yeah. I'm, I'm someone they can they can relate to and someone that's that's been through the same situations as, as them and so I've, I've started on the path to to building that sadly right now with covid a lot of a lot of that work is not is not happening here in alberta so I, the opportunities aren't being afforded to me that normally i feel there would but luckily through through the you know through the through zoom and things like that i've been able to reach you know, I'm speaking to you guys right now, you guys are in the UK and I'm in Canada and I've been able to reach, reach organizations that way. And so it's, it's been a start. Um, you know, like I say, I have the website and stuff now that I've, I've only recently started that to get my name out there. And every time, every time I do another piece of media, I share it on the website and, you know, it's, it's starting to, I can see it snowballing now where yeah. it started small and I can see it growing. And that's, that's an amazing thing to me. So. And that's cjbeatsbipolar.ca. That's correct, yes. I think it's, I think it's so important to, first of all, obviously, like we've, we're talking about acceptance and acknowledging and awareness. And it's so good to then find the courage to tell your story without worrying about the judgment. Obviously, you've been through it where you was feared, you were scared and worried about what people were going to say, but you overcame that. And now you're using your experience to actually inspire others and to let others as well know that, especially with what we do in a podcast and the podcast is that you're not alone. We all have some form of 
struggles, mental health, emotional health problems that we have to deal with on a day-to-day life. And I find it so encouraging and amazing that you're using your story to, to inspire others. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's amazing. You know what? Yeah, that question, it goes back to like, I did something yesterday, like, well, last night where I was in this app and we were talking about the title was basically Through Pain We Grow. A person basically asked me about my story and he said he's had a tough upbringing and how he finds it hard to speak to companies that have tried to require his services to give talks and encourage others through his story. And he said he couldn't do it, even though he slept in it, he couldn't do it due to the fact that he felt embarrassed by his past and what he's been through. And then he asked me how I managed to overcome that. And I said to him, the only way I managed to overcome that embarrassment bit and scared bit was by accepting what I've lived and what I've been through take accountability for my past actions because in life as humans we're always in control of what actually happens but we always tend to blame the circumstances that made us feel the way that we felt and we're not in control of circumstances what we're in control of is our thoughts the way we feel the way we act which then leads to to results and I said to him you have to Forget about the circumstances. No, as painful as they might, they might have been, but at the end of the day, you're in control of your life. And for you to be able to tell your story, to inspire others, you have to accept the fact that you gave the circumstance, circumstances too much power. Yeah. All of a sudden, maybe it started to control you. So if you don't take control of your life, your life or whatever's going around you ends up controlling you, which then it starts creating illusions in your head. And then it, it just starts feeding fear rather than feeding faith and belief. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And then he was like, yeah, even though I've said all them things, it's about, it's not about what I said to him because at the end of the day, I'm a circumstance to him. But I'm just saying something and I'm just sharing my, 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 my story or my experiences but then it's down to him to then so take what he can from what I've said or ignore what I've said it's about him accepting what I've said or what he's going through and then moving forward to be able to sort of like be motivated by your past your past, you know, your past is your past you're not tomorrow's a new day and a fresh blank page you write your story. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. And actually the, the finance firm that I'm actually training with right now to, to get out of the trades industry. um, One of the big phrases that we use there is you can only control your attitude and your activity. And so your attitude is how you view the situation and how you, you, you know, how it processes in your head. And then the activity is what you do with that. And that's absolutely, your past is your past. You have to accept responsibility for it, obviously, but it's behind you. And so you need to move ahead and you need to take, um, have an attitude of gratitude that's gonna, gonna change you know, your future. And you need to take activities that are serving you and to, to serve your future. And so I like what you said there. Thank you. I think, I think in a way of how humans we need to, Start seeing things and I've only learned this through my own personal life coach that I've got myself and I do a lot of talks with him and then he taught me that because a lot of times I was sort of like saying I feel like this because Bid said this I feel like that because CJ done that but you're doing this I'm all the way down here you're feeling the type of way why should I feel way you're feeling my feelings are my own feelings and then the moment I give power to how you're feeling and what you're saying then all of a sudden I start thinking all sorts of things I become um like you can get yourself in a dark place oh absolutely in all this pictures in your head and imagining a lot of things that ain't even real 
if I'm in my room, why should I be feeling or like giving your worth the power to dictate how I carry on in my day? Absolutely. And that's the only, the only thing about that that I'm, I'm going to kind of touch on is that sometimes when people are at that negative place and they are going through something, you do have to acknowledge, you don't have to necessarily have to give their feelings validation and power, but you have to acknowledge that they, Holy. what they're going through in order to be able to, to help them through what they're going through. Yeah. So with, Spot on, man. yeah, with everything that you've um, obviously created with the um, CJ Beats Bipolar. Yes. Sorry, I'm just, I, I write notes, so I'm writing a few notes here. Because so <laughs> that, that don't give power to other people's feelings was a really good point. And so I wrote that down. Oh, this is, hey, hey. He- Ben, he taught us something. We've just taught him something new as well. See, hey, can't, we're here to empower one another. Can't you? Can't you put a copyright on that? <laughs> no, I want to use that. Don't copyright it. The <laughs> <laughs> file lawsuit against him, mate. Oh. <laughs> uh, that that would cross an international jurisdiction, man. That'd get expensive real quick. Yeah, it really could. <laughs> it really could. <laughs> Yeah, with um, CJ Beats Bipolar, how, what vision have you got? How far do you want to go with this? Is it something um, that you want to do full time? I want to do it to complement. I want to get out of the trades and I want to do my financial career. And I also want to complement it with CJ Beats Bipolar. And so, um, Essentially what it is right now is that in my province, um, if I were to lose a finger, let's say at work, yeah, the government would give me basically pay to retrain me to go to college and get a degree so I could go back to work um, doing something different. Whereas because my my condition is mental and I've, I've come to the, to the point of awareness where I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to, to function in the industry that I've been in. Yeah. Just because like I said, the, the condition evolves. So because I'm aware of that and because I know I need to reach train the, the government, because they can't see that I'm, you know, I haven't lost a finger. I haven't yeah. been physically yeah. affected. They won't, there's no subsidies to retrain people. And so, Ultimately, I want CJ Beats Bipolar to become an organization, um, I guess a charity that has the power to, to provide grants to people that are yeah. in situations where they need to retrain mentally um, or due to mental health into a different industry and to provide them that financial assistance to get to where they need to be because if they stay where they're at, their mental their mental condition is only going to decline. And so until, until our, until the government realizes and validates mental conditions as a way or as a genuine way to need retraining in the industry, in industries, I need to be that, that backup. Yeah. I think with, with like governments and stuff, they with with doing stuff like that. They, I think, it's a, it'd be a, like a really big thing to do, good thing to do, of course. But then you get, you would get them dickheads that just take the piss, wouldn't you? You get, you exactly. get, you get people playing on their mental health to get that free training. Exactly. It's like, it's like, yeah, I, like cut your finger off. No one's going to cut their own finger off to get free training. No way. Uh... Well, I've heard stories of people that have, like, uh, I heard a story of a guy that worked on the railroad that put his hand on the rail to to do that. No way. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's a story. I don't know how true it is, but I've heard the stories, right? And so, sadly, sadly, no matter what, there's going to be that one bad apple that spoils the whole bunch. Yeah. Wow. And so. Yeah. But going wow. back to going back to the finger thing, right? There's 
Forget the finger thing, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, can go on. that would be that would be a badass game, that would. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who can keep the finger on the track for the longest? <laughs> right, no we one do to, that. No one do that. on the tracks to get flattened, and that was, that was cool. But the finger thing, not so much. Yeah. We do, however, when we're kids here, um, when the windows on like school buses and stuff get frosty, yeah, we do have competitions. How, how long you can, who can keep their fingers on the frost the longest? That's so. not too bad. <laughs> Well, it, it, you got to remember, it gets to like minus 40 Celsius here, so... That is bad, man. What? That is yeah. bad. Last week, last week, it was minus 40 Celsius here, so... Minus 40. Minus yeah, 40. Yeah, but don't... Whoever's listening or watching this, don't do not do that. Don't, yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't yeah, we're, do that. we're only, only having a laugh about putting your finger on a truck. Don't try this at home. Yeah, don't. Exactly. Don't do that. <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. You know, obviously, with what you said and even what Bid said as well, two good points in regards of it's bad how you have to have something visible, like a physical damage to be helped. Yeah. Rather than if it's like like we said, mental health or mind or emotional. You just sort of, to an extent, you get dismissed. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But then also, say like something like that was to be put in place, but they'd said it as well. There'll be a lot of people out there that would try and take advantage because it's not visible. Yeah. And that's, how do you that's, go that's about, the. How do you go about that? And it's something that I believe and I think should be done better. If you have got a problem, obviously, there's got to be some form of way that you can get around it to actually find out that you are struggling mentally. And yeah, you know, because you can't handle being in that same industry or you can't handle working around them type of people and you're made for something else and you want an opportunity elsewhere. And I think it, something should be in place to be so you can get the help that you need in regards to progress the next level of your own life and your own peace and happiness not yo you need you need to cut your finger off so we can help you progress <laughs> that's mad <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's I, that's that's kind of the double-edged sword is that you you know people do need that and unfortunately there are the people that are going to take advantage of it so there does need to be it would need to be really heavily vetted there would have to be a whole process of to find you know, to get that approval. And yeah. so that's, that's something that, you know, building the CJB's bipolar foundation, you know, there will be people who are going to have to work to get the money. They're not just going to have to be like, Oh, we all need the money. Um, yeah. so, so it's still, yeah. it's very much right now a concept, but there are, you know, there's, there's processes in place already and thoughts in place as to how, how it's going to work. So it will work, man. So as you've got idea, you've got a plan, got faith it will work you've got your purpose there Absolutely. and purpose is everything man you've got you've got you've got a good plan there you just gotta have the faith to follow it through absolutely yes mate and also i want to thank you for coming on with obviously you being over in canada time differences and all yes what- sir what time is it over there? Uh, it just, I don't know if you heard my clock singing there, but it's 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning here. So, ah. so it's, it's not bad. I thought, I thought that our, uh, our interview was at 10 um, instead of nine. And so that's kind of why I was a little bit late getting. Oh, no. <laughs> no interview. Our talk was at 10. <laughs> our talk was at 10. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't do interviews. So that's the thing. No interviews, man. No. Having a chat, having a chat, homie. Absolutely, absolutely. So, this was awesome. So, so if anyone wants to find you, where would they go? Uh, obviously, my website is going to be the best way because it'll give you links to everything I'm on. Um, I'm on Instagram at CJ Beats Bipolar. I'm on 
Facebook at CJB Bipolar. Um, I've started TikTok. I've started YouTube, but both of those medias um, are daunting to me, I guess. I don't understand them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, well, I do understand YouTube. It's just a lot of work to do YouTube. So, um, but yeah, TikTok, TikTok blows my mind. I don't understand it at all. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not on TikTok. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. I'm surprised you're not on TikTok, Monty. Nah, man. I can't, can't deal with them things, man. No, mate, that's not for me. I think I'm at that stage now where I find those... I can't even really use my phones properly, mate. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you didn't know you had bad spam last week, did you? Oh, there you go, mate. I don't even know. It's like my, since, I think since I had my kids, man, all my focus... Before it was my phone, oh, new phone's coming out. Oh, I'm going to come and get it. Let me save some money so I can buy that. Or oh, a new what? contract. Yeah. Now, you're going to have kids. Nah, man, just spend too much time changing nappies and then I forgot about what's new. <laughs> well, my kids are old enough that, that they know what's new and they want the PlayStation 5. And I'm like, dude, I that's like $600. I can't do that yeah. right now. Like, but Nah, stick, stick, stick to the old school. Exactly. Well, I let my kid take the PlayStation 4 in his room the other day and I didn't see him for two days, so. Oh no! Like, yeah, that's coming back to the living room now. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. So honestly, appreciate your time. Uh, keep us updated with the uh, progress of uh, CJ Beats. Will um, do. I appreciate you guys having me on, and you know the chance to to speak to the UK. I really appreciate that. So yeah, the UK, I love you, mate. We Perfect. we love you, and for those who have managed to watch the whole video. I suggest you actually go to his website. His story is inspiring and how open and raw it comes across, but it's what you need to read to understand if you're going through anything in your life. Yes. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And also, have a good day, you beautiful people. We love you. We (laughs) love you. Appreciate you guys. Men United Podcast with Bits and Monty.